Many people ask me, how do I grow in my faith as a Christian? And I think one of the best books of the Bible that helps answer this is Paul's letter to the Ephesians in the New Testament. Ephesus had been the center of worship of many of the Greek and Roman gods. And the apostle Paul had spent just over two years there preaching the gospel and seen amazing fruit uh, as he preached and discipled the believers. Now, years later, when he's finally imprisoned in Rome around AD 62, St. Paul then wrote his letter to the Ephesian church about how the church can live in the purposes of God and how God dwells victoriously in and with his people, displaying to the world the victory already won in Jesus Christ and pointing to the eventual completion of his creation purposes, which is the joining of heaven and earth. And Paul's letter to the Ephesians basically splits in two halves. The first three chapters explores the story of the gospel, and the second three chapters looks at how this gospel story shapes how we live and the story of our lives. Now, whilst I can't hope to do justice to the entire letter in just one sermon, the aim of this talk is to whet your appetite and hopefully inspire you, encourage you to go and either get a Bible or download a Bible and read the letter to the Ephesians. Now, Watchman Nee was a famous Chinese pastor and Christian writer. He started pastoring in the 1920s and then eventually he was imprisoned by the communists in China and after decades of imprisonment, finally died in 1972. But Watchman Nee had a profound impact, impact upon the Asian church. And he summarized the book of Ephesians with just three words, three verbs to describe how we're meant to grow and mature in our faith. And they help provide a helpful framework for how we understand this question. So what are they? Number one, sit. When you put your faith in Jesus, you are now what Paul describes as in Christ. And Paul uses this term in Christ or in the Lord or in him 164 times in his letters. Now, what does this mean? Well, it means that when you come to Jesus Christ in faith, somehow, mystically, Whatever was and is true of Jesus is now true of you and me too. So you died in Christ when Jesus died on the cross. The old life has gone and you rose to new everlasting resurrection life when Jesus rose from the dead. And you ascended to heaven and are seated on the throne in the heavenly realm in Christ. Paul puts it this way in Ephesians 2 verse 6. He says, and God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus. So you sit in the heavens in Christ right now. What is the secret strength of the Christian life? It is to rest in Christ because you already sit victorious in him. And this means that all the striving and attempts to justify ourselves or to craft our own identity and meaning, they're futile. We have been adopted into God's family 
and you are now seated before the Father in heaven, in Christ, by grace alone, because of the redeeming work of Jesus on the cross. You know, just um, uh, in October recently, I was invited to go and speak at a conference, uh, which I did, and I was flying back to KL. And of course, I was flying economy. But when I got to the gate about to board the plane, they said, oh, sir, you've been upgraded to business class. I thought, wow, that never happens to me. How exciting. So sure enough, I, I got on the plane and one of the stewardesses, she sat me down in business class. I thought, wow, this seat is so comfortable. And then all these other very sort of important, wealthy looking people started to sit in business class. I thought, okay, Miles, just relax, play it cool, act like you belong here. And then we took off and after a while, they brought the food to the woman uh, across the aisle to the left of me. They put this lovely white tablecloth on her table then brought her this big tray of delicious looking food with silver cutlery and they, they poured her a glass of champagne. I thought, oh, this looks good. And then to the person to the right of me, again, they put out this tablecloth, uh, out came the cutlery, the food, a flute of champagne. I thought, oh, I'm really excited. And then to me, they brought this tiny little plastic tray with some food with foil over the top. And instead of a glass of champagne, I got this little plastic pot of water with a like, like a foil seal on it. I thought, what's going on? So I said to the stewardess, oh, I, I think you've brought me the wrong food. To which she said, oh, no, sir. Whilst your seat has been upgraded to business class, your food is still economy. I was so embarrassed. It's like I had this sign on my head saying, here sits the poor guy. And uh, whilst everyone sipped their sparkling wine around me, I opened the foil on my water. It went all, burst all down me. And then I was sipping out of this little plastic cup. I felt like I didn't belong. Now, you might feel the same. You might think, well, pastor, you tell me I'm seated in heavenly business class, but I don't really belong there. You don't know what I'm like. But God says, no, you don't need to feel like that. I have chosen you. Stop striving. Relax. Sit. God says, rest in my presence. You are seated in the heavenlies by grace alone. In Christ, you are his beloved child and you belong there. You see, if we try to do anything, we get nothing. Christianity begins not with the big do, but with the big done, that which Jesus has done for us on the cross. This is why in Ephesians chapter 1, verse 3 to 6, Paul writes this, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. For he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. In love, he predestined us to be adopted as his children through Jesus Christ in accordance with his pleasure and will to the praise of his glorious grace, which he has freely given us in the one he loves. 
God invites you to sit down and enjoy what he's done for you, not to set out to try and attain it for yourself. This is amazing grace. Sit. The second verb we see about growing as a follower of Jesus is this, walk. You know, we often think that if we walk, then we deserve to sit and have a rest. You know, once we've got through the equivalent of our spiritual 10,000 steps a day, then we can sit down. But the Christian life is not like that. The Christian life is one where we walk from a place of rest. All who sit can walk. Watchman Nee put it this way. He said, we sit forever with Christ that we may walk continuously before men. You see, there's a thin veil between heaven and earth. And those who are seated in Christ, we're at the interface and we have a place on either side of this veil. And therefore we are able to bring the power of God into this world to see his kingdom come and his will be done here on earth as it is in heaven where we are seated in Christ. You see, throughout Ephesians, there is this notion that our role as God's people is to imitate our Lord and to reflect his love, light and grace to the world in need. And the verb that Paul uses a lot is walk, not run, you don't have to sprint, nor stretch, nor strain, nor do the slick back, but walk at the pace of grace. The verb here is peripatete, from which we get our word peripatetic. And we are to walk like our Lord and Saviour. We are to walk with his likeness. I have a friend here who always laughs when he sees me walking. He says, I don't know if it's true or not, but he says I walk like a gangster. But <laughs> what he doesn't realize is I walk just like my mum. And if you were ever to meet my daughter, she walks just like me. She walks with the family likeness. And Paul wrote to the Corinthians as well in 1 Corinthians 11 and said, imitate me just as I imitate Christ. So he also continues this in Ephesians. And he says in Ephesians 5, verse 1 and 2, he says, Therefore, be imitators of God as beloved children and walk in love, just as Christ also loved you and gave himself up for us. Walk with the family likeness. And in Ephesians 5, verse 8, he says, Now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. In Ephesians 5.15, he says, therefore, be careful how you walk. And in Ephesians 2.10, he says, for we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Walk the talk. Uh, a young woman in our church called Erica was not a Christian, but she was brought by a friend to come and try Alpha and HTBB. She shared her testimony in the room beforehand. And she said how on that alpha, she heard how God loved her, how he sent his son Jesus to die for her and rise to new life. And she accepted Jesus as her savior and was filled with his spirit. And I suppose you could then say that Erica began 
to walk the talk. She began to walk with the family likeness like Christ. And one of the things that her mum, Shirley, noticed in her daughter, now she'd become a Christian, was that she was much more willing to open up and to share with her mum what she was really feeling and what she was going through. And the mum noticed this change in her daughter. So Erica then invited her mum to come to church with her at HTBB. But the mum didn't want to go alone, so she brought her parents, Erica's grandparents, with her. Now, the grandparents immediately heard the gospel at HTBB and they thought, yeah, we want to follow this Jesus. So I had the privilege of baptizing not just Erica, but her grandparents as well. And then her mum, Shirley, then thought, well, my parents are going, my daughter's going, okay, I'll try Alpha. So Shirley then came on Alpha, and then sure enough, she then came to faith and her son, Erica's brother as well. And I had the, the privilege of baptizing them as well, the whole family. But it all began by Erica coming to faith and then beginning to walk like Jesus, displaying love. And a couple of aspects of walking like Jesus that we see in Paul's letter to the Ephesians are being filled with his spirit, the presence of God, and living in unity as part of his covenant people, a multi-ethnic family. And Paul uses two metaphors for the church to illustrate these two aspects of walking like Jesus. The first is uh, the church as the new temple, the place where God dwells in us by his spirit. Paul says this in Ephesians 2 verse 19, Consequently, you are no longer foreigners and aliens, but fellow citizens with God's people and members of God's household, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets with Christ Jesus himself as the chief cornerstone. In him, the whole building is joined together and rises to become a holy temple in the Lord. And in him, you too are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by his spirit. You know, every day, ask the Holy Spirit to fill you again and again with his presence. Now, the second metaphor that Paul uses is that of a body with Jesus Christ as the head to illustrate our unity in diversity. Ephesians 4 verse 15 says this, instead speaking the truth in love, we will in all things grow up into him who is the head, that is Christ. From him, the whole body joined and held together by every supporting ligament, that's each one of us, grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. Now, of course, unity does not mean uniformity. Every part of the body is different, but it's interconnected and we find unity in Christ. Actually, in chapter one of Ephesians, Paul talks about the ultimate coming together of heaven and earth. In chapter two, he talks of the unity between Jew and Gentile in Christ. And then in chapter five, he talks about the coming together of husband and wife in marriage. You see, this theme of oneness runs throughout the letter. In Ephesians 4, verse 4, he says this, there is one body and one spirit, just as you were called to one hope when you were called. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, 
one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. You see, whatever your situation, remember that you are not alone. You are part of God's family, his body. And that which unites us is infinitely greater than that which divides us. To walk in Christ is to be one who prays for and ushers in unity. You know, it's not only Liverpool FC fans, but it's all Christians too who can say you'll never walk alone. So sit, walk, and then the third thing that we see in the book of Ephesians about being a Christian is this, stand. The church sits on the interface between heaven and earth. And if part of our purpose as God's people is to bring the reality of heaven here on earth by walking in his ways, then it's hardly surprising that the forces of darkness don't like this. This is why Paul ends his letter with advice about spiritual warfare. He tells us to put on the full armor of God. Ephesians 6 verse 13 says this. Therefore, put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground. Your ground and after you've done everything, to stand. Stand firm then. This armor of God consists of the belt of truth, the breastplate of righteousness, feet fitted with the readiness of the gospel of peace, a shield of faith, and the sword of the spirit, which is God's word, and the helmet of salvation. Now, interestingly, this armor is Jesus's armor. It's the Messiah's armor taken from the book of Isaiah. So Isaiah 49.2 talks about God's word like a sword. Isaiah 52.7 talks of feet that bring good news and peace. Isaiah 59.17 talks of a breastplate of righteousness and a helmet of salvation. And what is the purpose of putting on this armor? To stand. You see, after sitting in our position in Christ's grace and walking in his love and light, we can truly stand against our enemy. Not charge, not attack, not run into battle, but standing firm in Christ's victory that he's already won. Watchman Nee put it this way. He said, when you fight to get the victory, then you've lost the battle at the very outset. You're trying to fight into victory and in so doing, are relinquishing to the enemy the very ground that is already yours. You see, the victory has already been secured by Jesus' death and resurrection. You don't have to try to achieve it. You can stand firmly upon it. To live in Christ is to sit, then walk, then stand. It's like the order of grace, then faith, then works. First we trust, then we move, then when attacked, we can stand still in full victory, knowing that we are more than conquerors already, even before we've done a single thing. A couple of months back, um, my family and I went for a, a three-day holiday break in Penang. 
And uh, the first night we were staying there, um, Sarah and I had fallen asleep. And stupidly, I hadn't prayed in the room when we first got there. And I went to sleep. And then at about 3 a.m. in the morning, I was abruptly woken with this sense of darkness, of of foreboding in the room. And this rarely happens, but as I opened my eyes and I sat up in bed, I saw a spirit, an evil spirit, at at the foot of the bed. And all I simply did was I opened my mouth and I just said, Jesus. And the spirit flew out of the room and this peace, the peace of Christ, filled the bedroom, and I rolled over and went to sleep. That is the power of the name that is above every name, in whom you and I already have victory. Sit, walk, stand, and the darkness will flee. Victory is ours. May we pray. You might want to put your hands out in front of you right now, and I'm just going to pray for you. That simple prayer. Come, Holy Spirit. You can rest right now in the presence of Christ. You are seated in him in the heavenly realm before your loving Father. Stop striving. Receive the grace of God. And I want to pray for those of you right now that you know you're called to be a force for unity as you walk like Christ, maybe at work or in your family. May the Lord anoint you to be one that brings reconciliation. And for those that feel like you're really up against it, like the attack is real, it's tangible, maybe there's some real opposition at work, you can stand right now in Christ knowing that you are victorious. Victory is already yours. And then finally, I think the Lord wants to heal. And as I was preparing this, I think that somebody you've got real pain in your right hand I just want to pray for you, if that's you right now. I just command the pain to leave your hand right now in the name of Jesus. May it never come back. Lord, would you heal their hand and remove the pain now. Receive your healing in Jesus' name. Amen.